Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and we're here today to talk all things Abaddon's Gate. It's the third book in the Expand series, and we're here with the crew, so always, always thankful and grateful that you're all able to make it all over the world, so it's wonderful. So, Robin, you want to uh, kick us off with introductions? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm in the, I'm in the top space now. Um, sure, um, yeah, Robin <laughs> from Bookends and Biscuits, uh, YouTube channel where I talk about mostly sci-fi with a sprinkling of fantasy and crime as well. And uh, I'm Layla Goshi. I'm a, a professor of English, I'm also a, a, a big reader and a writer. I'm currently teaching creative writing this semester, so lots more fun reading to do this semester as well. And uh, you can find me on Twitter for now. For now. Cool. Yeah. For now. Chris? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my name is Chris. I've got a YouTube channel where I talk about books and movies and whatever i really fancy at the time it's very much a, a place for me to get rid of a lot of positive or negative feelings about things that i've been consuming or otherwise but uh yeah good fun nice and thank you all for being here i know it's uh it's been it's always great when we can keep meeting you know keep uh keep organizing and keep meeting and keep uh, gathering for these discussions i really appreciate it and this one was a kind of a tough one for me i don't know what, what you all think i want to hear your your thoughts. I know a little bit about Chris because we talked a little bit on Tuesday with the House of the Dragon stream, but I wanted mm -hmm. to hear from uh, Robin and Layla what you thought about this one, just in general. Um, you know, I, I really, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Um, I think it's, it strayed into some philosophical, metaphysical ideas that I thought were interesting. Um, and I kept looking for like the answer, but I think, I think they were really going more, uh, uh, toward raising questions, you know, about how will, uh, religions change or, you know, how will, uh, faith leaders handle, um, you know, the discovery of extraterrestrial intelligence and, um, yeah. And some other, other ideas too, but overall I liked it. Um, I was, I don't know, about halfway through, I was like, nothing's happened. No one's where they're meant to be. What's going on? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everything happened. So actually, in, overall, I did enjoy it. But um, it was a lot, it was a lot slower than the other ones. So I did, I did still enjoy it. I think it was really good. I think, it, I think it had the, a little bit of a middle book syndrome a little bit. Um, but I enjoyed the philosophical side of things. I thought that was really interesting and it was always fun to ask why and what questions that would throw up. Um, it was also slightly odd that uh, most of the majority of the book you're talking to characters that aren't part of the main group. So I thought that was quite fun, but it did feel fresh. I think after the first two being quite similar, it was quite refreshing to have something that was completely, was a complete new kind of idea and story. So um, yeah, I was a little bit split on this one, but I, I, overall I did, I did quite enjoy it. So. I actually wrote that down. I wrote that down. Nothing actually happens. That's in my notes. <laughs> thought, this book's not good. <laughs> I think this book's a complete mess for large portions of it, like utterly. But it's so thematically rich, and I love thematically rich books. And it's sort of my favorite so far as well. Like, mm. I think the actual writing and the structure and all that kind of stuff 
oh my god they even tried it again in the tv series i went back and watched it because they changed so much because it obviously didn't really work here but all of the questions like later is talking about it, it's i couldn't wait for this chat because i think there's so much to talk about in this in this book oh interesting I don't know if it's because I saw the TV series, but I, I mm -hmm. saw what was going to happen a mile away. There was no... It's probably because I've seen the, the, mm -hmm. the series, but I, I you know what's going to happen. I mean, you can kind of see it coming. I did enjoy the questions it raises and the thoughts. Mm -hmm. it, it's funny because there's long stretches of nothing and of mm -hmm. characters that we you can kind of tell have the red shirt syndrome that aren't going to be around very long. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you kind of know this person won't be around very long. But there's these questions that are peppered in there that are really interesting and make you think there's a, there's a few quotes I have written down that I thought were really thought provoking, but overall it, it seemed a little like a, I think it, I really missed Eva Sorala in this one. I really yeah. missed her presence and that, that, uh, you know, that different perspective and, um, Holden, I think redeems, redeems himself a little bit. Um, I, a little bit, um, he still makes some really goofy decisions, but, uh, <laughs> But I think, like Chris said, I think the interesting parts of these are the, you know, the just the, the questions it raises, and I and I think it does raise questions. Just you can, it's more of a thought provoking. What would happen if, or what, how would we deal with this? And I think that makes it. I think they did that really well, to where it's not um, preachy or what you know what we should think about. It was just a. It raises questions and for discussions like this to to talk about it. So I appreciated that about it. Mm -hmm. oh go ahead oh i was going to have a really stupid question which um apologies i wanted to get it out of the way right up the front which was are you guys in or out of the romance by this point did you did you prefer the romance in this book between holden and that or were you, you guys still out for it <laughs> chris not a fan I, I still I don't get it I mean, this book. I mean wait what i will say but like you do raise, raise a good point there because the story and the, the three um, perspectives lack something bringing them together. It's like every chapter you read, the action's happening somewhere else. You know, you're, you're watching it from, from Melba's point of view or Callista's point of view, and she's kind of talking about stuff that's happening on another ship, and it just feels like the whole book is like that. So, like, the cohesion of the Naomi Holden thing would have helped, but, like, like, that bit, what is it, about five chapters before the end where he thinks... He's gonna die, and he's thinking about what he's gonna say. I thought that was terrible. <laughs> I like you. Was yeah, I was, I was just gonna say that. I was just gonna say that. He's like, I like you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's, it's very it's, it's sort of in keeping with what I think of him as a character. Then he'd have this like four or five pages of thought, and then he'd say, "I like you." <laughs> <laughs> what was your what exactly was the question about him? What was your question again? Oh, sorry. I was just, I just, I was just asking a joke question, really, which was, oh. um, did you book, did because we haven't really enjoyed the romance in the first two books. I just wanted oh, to know yeah. if, if you'd preferred it in this one. That was all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's still seem like an odd couple. It seems, it still seems a little bit, um, I don't know, not too convincing, but. Uh, yeah, it was okay. I think we're starting to get more attached to them just because we're spending so much time with them. But I, I'm not worried at all about any of them, about the main crew. Um, so I, I don't think anything will really happen to them. Maybe I'll be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But um, so. 
It lacks that bit of jeopardy, doesn't it? Uh, uh, in in certain aspects that you kind of go, okay, like you say, the red shirt syndrome and all that. You kind of can tell who's the temporary people that are there and who are going to be here to stay. Are you saying? I, oh, I didn't because this one, this one actually, I felt I did feel was a tiny bit grittier. I felt like there was a little bit more jeopardy in this one. I think. Um, I even got taken aback at one of the deaths. I mean, some of them obviously you saw, mm. but um, one of the deaths particularly, I was just like, oh, I did not, did not see that coming at all. So I thought this one was a little bit more gritty on that side of things and a little bit more perilous, if that's the word, mm. um, on it. Because um, specifically, I don't know if we'll talk about it now, but um, when the, near the end of the book, where you see the security officer get shot immediately off the bat, I was just like, yeah. oh, I did did not see that happening so quickly. Um, and how Anna's, um, is it Anna? Yeah, Anna's reaction to that. I, that was the one bit where I was like, oh, okay, mm. gosh, that, that was a bit um, unexpected for me on that side of things. But maybe I'm just, I don't know, a bit more naive to death. I'm not sure <laughs> on that front. It was definitely written to be shocking because it, yeah. it just preceded that with Serge. It was a mm-hmm. shot that was it was busy talking about how he was telling Bill how it was all going to be no problem. He was going to go in and sort it out, and it was got no problem. And literally, the first encounter he comes to, his head gets blown back off, you know. And you go, oh, so things aren't going to be okay. It's not going to be straightforward. It's not going to be they're just going to walk in and take control back of the ship. Yeah, but it just wasn't. I think it was just the fact that there was no like, it wasn't a back and forth gun battle mm. or, or a quick line or anything else. It was just the fact that it was just like bam, done, and that was yeah. it. I just thought that was done quite well because I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> it's serious sort of thing. I, I, it made me set up, you know, and take notice of it. In fact, I actually reread that whole section twice because it was kind of satisfying, you know, and in, in in a way because, like I said, I had written down nothing really happens, and there we had something <laughs> that really did happen, you know. <laughs> What did you think, Layla? Was this one a little, little darker for you? A little more uh, um, perilous? I really think it, it was more, uh, we're getting more into moral complexity now because, um, you know, when Miller shot the executive, you know, in, in one of the previous books, um, James Holden was so, you know, just outraged over that. But now we've got like Carlos, um, you know, what did he do? He spaced a guy without trial, you know, because um, he was head of security. But then he turns around and saves the world, you know, uh, in a later part of the story. Um, and um, I have expected them for, you know, to somehow say, oh, well, we need Clarissa for this reason. So, you know, all the people she's killed, you know, we're going to forget about that. I don't know why. I just kind of had that thought uh, for the book. Now, I know, you know, I can't quite remember how it turned out in the show, but I get, if I recall, there was a better, a different outcome for her, you know. Um, and I was disappointed. My biggest disappointment was that we never saw Clarissa and her father like some kind of response because she did all of this for her father. Um, maybe, of course, they didn't want to inform him as he's sitting in prison that his daughter's out here, you know, out there causing all that trouble. But um, I just felt like I'm missing closure from that. And I, maybe that is still yet to come as well. So that was, 
you know, those are a couple of things I think are still outstanding that, that did bother me about it. Um, so, but I think we're getting more into that, um, you know, you're a good guy here, but you're a bad guy here type of thing or girl. <laughs> um, and I think that, to, you know, I have read ahead a little bit and I think, um, and even from what we've seen so far, I think that's going to be the, the whole, you know, the idea that you're good in some cases and, you know, you're seen as breaking the law in the other cases. So how does, how do we, you know, how do we factor all that together? And uh, we are doing full spoiler. So anybody watching, if you haven't read the book, I'm about to spoil a death because I think, I think I know which death Robin's talking about when the, those, there was one death that was really surprised me was uh, Sam. That one I didn't see coming. Mm. I thought she'd be around for a while. So that was surprising. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, again, that puts in much more, because that was a character we've had before. She's been in all of the books so far, I think. I think and obviously so. she's a very close to Naomi, so she was a like a named character almost, sort of thing. So it was, you had a bit of uh, a background and a thought process, and she's always come across quite nicely. So yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I was quite shocked about that as well. So because yeah, they, they even kind of played with a love interest for Alex and Amos with her in a previous book as well, you know, and then kind of thought, you know, there might be something in that. But obviously not anymore. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think it wasn't a love interest so much as a as a potential conquest, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That, that's yeah. pretty much right. They, they they caught their eye, you know. Yeah, 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 those yeah. Kind of things, yeah. yeah. But I did think it was interesting that obviously the Melba Clarissa character. It's the first real point of view we've had of of a bad person, you know, from from the book, you know, and, and have not kind of presented to you to say. Oh, this is this is uncomfortable to read because you see the maniacal nature and you see actually the horrible things that that, that she does, especially with Ren and and you know. Mm. Uh, but the, but I think that works quite well because it does haunt her the same way as it haunted you when you read it. You know the kind of cold nature of of it had to happen, and then it pervades throughout the entire book because she keeps on referring to, in her kind of twist of memory, as Ren as a, as a friend still, yeah. even though she brutally murdered him. Right. Uh, Brandy from uh, Brandy's mentions. I did think all the New Mexican references. And I did. I did like all the New Mexican New Mexico references and lingo. It is cool that he's a local author for us. Yeah, I didn't realize he's one of these authors lives close. I think in Santa Fe, so it's close to okay. us. But we went to a local bookstore and it said local author and the Expanse series is on the shelf. And I thought, I didn't realize they lived mm. so close. But yeah. reading this, they talk about uh, Hatch Green Chili and there's uh, Alamogordo is a city here, so they do mention. I, I appreciated those little. Uh, mentions that was kind of neat. These kind of things are cool. Mm -hmm. Hello, and uh, Legends of the Brave Bard uh, dropping in before supper to show some support. Have a great stream! Thanks for coming by. Yeah, so lots of uh, more complexity. I think Layla, you hit that one on the head. Is that's the most interesting part of this, and the questions it raises. There was one that. Uh, I thought was really interesting and there's little things peppered in there but there was one that I had tabbed on page 230 of this copy it's um, that humans only have so much emotional energy no matter how intense the situation or how powerful the feelings it's impossible to maintain the heightened emotional state forever 
eventually you just get tired and want it to end. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I have to say that this is the first book where I don't, I'm not a tabber, I'm not a highlighter, I don't do any of that. This is the first book where there were several sections where I was like, oh, I'd like to flag that to go back to. Mm -hmm. And actually, I thought I thought that was a very similar one. And it's a seemingly true statement as well. You, mm -hmm. you, you will get bored or your body just, you lose interest and focus. So it's, it's a very true statement. Because that's where she's, um, I can't remember that bit. Is that where she's jet backing? Oh, it's Clarissa, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Is it holding? Can't remember. Oh, has to read it now. <laughs> it was, yeah, uh, it was. It was holding. Yeah. It's holding. Yeah. Certainly. Where he's yeah, where he's going. I can't remember. Anyway, he's with uh, Miller. Mm. I think, or he's he's thinking about Miller anyway. But but there are lots of those things. I like I I don't tab, but I took a lot of pictures of sections oh. with these kind of very philosophical kind of bits, and I, yeah. you know, as I was going through again thematically. A lot of this is about religion and about people having different religions and different beliefs and different motivations. And I kind of felt that they were intently written in so that you would kind of see it, you know, be nodding your head at, at some of these 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 observations about human life and about souls and all of that kind of stuff to go, yes, yes, I believe that. I, I can identify that and I can believe that just like the characters are doing. And they're being forced and caught between who do you follow, who do you believe and who whose destiny or who word are you going to trust? I thought there were so many of them. They were so great. You know, what occurred to me with that, too, is that, um, it, you know, it, the book seems to be talking about um, challenge to faith and um, maybe restoration of faith. But for Clarissa, Clarissa's belief Clarissa believes so much in her father. And yet at the end, you know, um, she realized her own, you know, guilt. She, you know, she had these major epiphanies and realizations. And I felt like that was tied together somehow, like Clarissa's experience coming up against her, um, her beliefs against reality, just like the um, the faith leaders were bringing their beliefs to the reality of the, you know, the what do they call that? The um, the ring and the slow zone, you know. So I kind of felt like there was something there, but it wasn't quite. Um, I felt like we need that spelled out a little more because Clarissa lost faith and yet found herself in a way uh, and saw those parts of herself she didn't like. Um, so, and then so did everyone else because they were fighting all the way into, you know, this abyss, you know. Um, but as humans, they had to, you know, the fight had to continue, so. Yeah, it's it's hard to, to hard to know where to start from this because Clarissa is the fanatic. You know, she's the fanatic side of religion. It, she just follows blindly through emotion that she has to do one thing, and it's only later she questions. But like every little bit of religion and historical religion, all that is kind of probed and asked and answered. So the the idea of judgment, you know, Old Testament kind of stuff. You know, the idea of redemption, the idea of faith and of belief and of souls and of existence. It's all kind of in here, and even of rebirth. Like mm -hmm. it, they nearly even paint Holden like a Jesus character in some way, or, or certainly like a prophet. 
uh, of somebody that people will follow him just because he says so. And there definitely is that train. Obviously, the Russell Anti crew even doubt him at the start. And when Amos and, um, and Alex and all are going, there's something not, he's not right. There's something going on here. Whereas Blind Faith and again, the fanatic part of, of Nomi to say, no, he's, this isn't him. This isn't uh, who he is as a person. And even when he's accused of blowing up all the gates and the ships, people are like, no, this is who he is. This isn't who he is. It's very much uh, in keeping with, you know, prominent religious characters over That's history. So I feel like this book, maybe they needed at this point to step back and give the uh, give belief systems a um, an introduction into the story, you know, and maybe that's why it moved a little slower. It was more of a contemplative in some cases because we had Anna's point of view, who was trying to work this out. And, you know, Anna kind of reminded me of Holden in a certain way because she did have her beliefs that were non-negotiable, even killing, you know. Um, she was trying to save Naomi, but she was not going to pick up a weapon and kill at the same time. And that kind of reminded me of Holden. Um, not that he does that, but you know, he had his strict beliefs in the beginning and, you know, they started to morph into where he is at at the moment. So. Yeah, very much that pal another paladin character is, is who Anna was, you know, that kind of righteous, good, always, you know, consistent uh, mm -hmm. in what she thinks uh, and what she she wants to achieve for people you know she wants to believe that there's good inside of everybody mm -hmm. uh, and actually she's born out correctly because if it wasn't for the saving of clarissa uh, and the teachings of her um then we would not have a good outcome at the end of the book hmm. i did enjoy amos a lot more in this one too i think he's a good uh he good comedic break yeah. from the other other parts of the story so because he had a few when he uh when they find out who the who the the person is, who uh, who planted the the device, uh, on page uh, two twelve, he said, "I was thinking I'd have a tough time spacing a blind guy, but turns out I'm just I'm just fine with it." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I had a couple of uh, I'd written that down as well. Amos's character comes out a lot in this book, especially his personality. Okay. Um, that he that he has this. It's almost like he's written the, the, the straight guy, but he's so complex. Like, he's such a complex guy getting up, and it's this kind of thing. Like, um, even his relationship with Anna is really fascinating because mm -hmm. Amos's clarity of thought is, again, so straightforward and similar to Anna's, and that he's always going to do that one thing, but mm -hmm. from the totally other side. But they sort of have this connection. Yeah, and they have this thing with each other where they where they kind of right. It's like this nod to head each other. I see who you are as a person, and you see me. Really cool. I think it's. I think it's. I yeah. I think Ames actually probably one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite in the series. Mm. But I think it. I think it showed quite well considering how like short pages he had because he wasn't set, talked about a lot. How big a presence he had in this one. So I think that's. I, I just. I like. I like the fact that although you, I would say he's not he's not that complex. I don't know because he's very straightforward and he has his 
he has what he wants to do in his rules. Um, I think it's just the fact that they're very different to everyone else's. He has his thing, but they're not what they would call classic morals or um, that, but they're definitely, he's very, that's what he is. He isn't anything else. So, yeah. There was one part where it seemed like Anna saw more into him than, um, and I thought that was a way of letting, telling us the reader that there might be more to him because Anna was seeing it. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think they connect because they are straightforward <clears throat> with each other. Um, yeah. Yeah, and they don't hide for who they are from anybody. You know, they're they're very much what you see is what you get. And it was interesting when the the camera crew were on board. You know, that was the bit where Amos came out and they asked him about Baltimore, and Baltimore was the trigger. Yeah, uh -huh. and it was like every everybody in the 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 ship kind of closed rank around him and say, no, you can't go there. That's not a uh, that's not a thing you can do and and ask. And step back from that. That's kind of thing else. Yeah, but but not that. Yes, yeah, kind of. You get the impression there's a you know there's a surface level Amos and there's a lot more underneath the surface, like an iceberg. Kind of the yeah. There's mm -hmm. more to him, and you want to find out more about him. Uh, Brandy said, "I like the talk of everyone on the crew of the Rosanati being there because they had uh, things in their past and that they don't share." There's some foreshadowing about some of that being revealed later. Hopefully, mm -hmm. yeah. Again, that feeling of redemption, like everybody searching for redemption on that ship, in some way, shape, or form. You know, having done something or been something in the past or trying to escape something or anything like that. Yeah, very, very key thing. I did think about the whole, uh, I know last time we said everyone was trying to find something. I thought mm -hmm. the, the, the Clarissa or Melba arc was very much her finding herself as well, going through this whole process and then finding out. Well, I guess she almost didn't find out what who she was or where she was but she was at least on that process at this point she's she's begun finding out who she actually is after she's been in the shadow of her dad for so long um so yeah i thought that was obviously a continuing theme that will be fully seen throughout the books and also in the shadow of julie which is interesting mm -hmm. because the the whole book so far have been about the shadow of the julie cast from the very first bit where she introduced the proto molecule you know everybody's kind of living with this kind of fallout uh, from her um, yeah yeah that is fascinating because Clarissa actually <clears throat> is very close to the consciousness of Julie I guess you know not realizing it um, but there, there's a, a another um, interesting angle I thought in regard to uh, the um, character of Anna um, that I partly didn't find realistic because, you know, she did leave her child. <clears throat> she left her family to go out like to this, you know, pretty high probability of, of deathly experience. And, um, and at the same time, she's a minister and, uh, in a same sex, um, partnership, mm -hmm. which for the time, you know, I mean, this is was written recently, but that is still an ongoing question in some uh, many faiths, you know, so I just thought that was interesting that they added that detail 
to Anna's character um, and uh, just in terms of, you know, the idea of, of religion confronting new ideas, you know, I, it, it was like they were saying, okay, they, you know, that idea has been settled, you know, the idea of same-sex marriage has been settled and now, you know, we're moving into this. So I just thought that was an interesting detail. And my cat is right here in front of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> A fifth guest. Amazing. Cats are always welcome. <laughs> so, but I, I do like how they're trying to include, um, I guess, certain social details that also bring things into question. Here, kitty, come here. <laughs> Jealous. <clears throat> <laughs> Yeah. Do you think, did you think that maybe the whole Anna thing was the whole higher calling? Like she felt that she had she had this calling and that the calling or or had to go and explore this for the faith and for her religion and that's why mm -hmm. she was out there sort of thing. So it was that kind of religious religious calling thing. Yeah. yeah. It all it almost seemed as if she was there because this is a rebirth of humanity in some ways. You know, she's going through this gate. It was like again this rebirth. Here, here you go. Here's another religious theme. So many. The Navi becoming the being reinvented and reborn as the as the behemoth and stuff. It's all there. But that she couldn't be there. And it actually spelled it a bit more in the TV show because I went back and watched it all because I just I wanted to see how they did the themes, etc. And they're not done as well in the TV show, but the plot's written a bit better. Uh, but she basically says, you know, she was meant to be there. And if she wasn't there, things would have turned out very differently. And it's that, that idea of faith and that you, you go and follow where your faith leads. That's a great point. And I'm glad you mentioned the behemoth was out there too, which was originally uh, meant to be a generational ship. Um, so very interesting how they're bringing that together. <laughs> Every every time we saw the behemoth, I thought those those poor Mormons. You know, I they, know. They so much work into it, <laughs> and at the last minute, those poor, you know, they just wanted to mind their own business and fly in space and exactly. do their thing. I just felt so bad for them. It we talked about that a couple. Of, I think either last book or first book about. Every time they talked to the behemoth, I thought those, those poor Mormons. They're so close. And they are. They're like they got. They thought they were going to lose it being shot into the sun. They get it brought back, and they're like, maybe this time. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> now we need a giant gunship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so, what I love about these books, though. I feel like they they leave room for that kind of uh, humor, where you know that kind of gentle humor, where you kind of have to think about it to realize how absurd or you know, funny something is and because it's bringing all these different uh, threads together. And um, so that's just an undercurrent of the books that I enjoy. Yeah, I think it's something that sci-fi probably has a reputation of being like super serious all the time, especially uh -huh. space operas, you know, and there's not room for the lighthearted exploration of character or theme or anything like that. And yeah, it could yeah. be one of the reasons these books are so, uh, you know, to cross the divide between, you know, sci-fi and just general general fiction, you know. Right. Mm. Definitely did. 
think you were mute. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I, I forgot. I muted myself. I agree with Layla, but I also uh, like that the fact that she was in a same-sex marriage and it was a non-issue for a re religious leader. He did a good job of making it a cultural norm. Absolutely. I think you find that quite a lot in sci-fi, which is one of the reasons, or not always, but that's one of the things people just assume that those things will be more progressive in the future anyway. Uh, and there's sort of thing, but it is really nice that exactly that. It was just put in with no like hurrah behind it, no discussions. It was just, it just was. And that was quite nice. You're right. It's just, um, it just isn't a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of cool. And that's really like anything else you're doing with uh, people's names, uh, languages. Um, I, I keep thinking I have to look up the Belter, um, you know, the Belter dialect, because I keep re thinking I recognize words. You know, I don't know if they're making plays on like uh, Spanish or German, or maybe they are. Maybe they're kind of mixing things together. But they, they employ the linguist, I'm pretty sure, to rewrite and create a language. I'm almost certain that's that's true for the whole dialect. So it certainly does play a part. But like, it reminds me of something like Ulster Scots or something like that, that kind of is very recognizably English, but have <laughs> certain twists and words that mm -hmm. uh, that are definitely their own in their own dialect. And yeah. <laughs> I've also really enjoyed, I love the whole concept of um, a lot of the language actually being body language, like the shrugs and all, because you, you wouldn't be able to do that in a spacesuit. You don't get all the like mm -hmm. the small, subtle things you'd have to do. So a lot of it's about that. And I, I love that kind of uh, imagining that in my head anyway. I think that's a really nice way of bringing that to the language as well. Yeah. I, I was I was quite surprised how much of the, like the New Mexican, uh, <laughs> like the little uh, language and the words that, we use here. I, I was surprised how much they in, you know, inserted that in the story for some of the characters that kind of a, a wink and a nod for those of us who were in this area. But yeah, I was surprised that they were so heavy handed with it. I enjoyed it, but I can see where um, people who aren't familiar with the lingo would be a little confused. But but it was it was kind of a it's kind of neat for them to kind of, you know, give us a little, little uh, you know, a little wink. So yeah. yeah. Yes, I think every anytime Miller was on, anytime Miller was on the page was a uh, I have to pay attention because something mm. something neat's about to happen. Did everyone else feel the same? Yeah, I still love Miller in this one, even though it's not even Miller. <laughs> although, although it was, yeah. I thought it was really good. I like I like the way they even introduced it, and and it was kind of the like not understanding what earth they're kind of talking about, and as they get closer, he makes more sense, and then the not understanding what he's talking about kind of loops into actually what's happening. And then you find out at the very sorry massive spoilers, obviously that he's the um, the AI essentially that's been left behind. And I just thought that whole like process was actually really interesting. I thought it was really, and I love the discussion at getting ahead of myself, getting excited. I love the discussion <laughs> at the end where he's like, um, he's only programmed to do so much, so he had he had to do this whole process, and he can't change from what he's been programmed to do. And, and describes himself as the Rosinante. Um, and I thought that little that little process was quite um, was quite fun as well. So yeah, Miller's great. <laughs> yeah, and I see him, you know, Miller um, as becoming kind of a mentor to to James um, because James he needs a guide, so he's mm -hmm. he's kind of like a um, a spirit guide in a 
strange way, you know, um, because here's Holden going into really the unknown. And, um, and um, what am I trying to say? Miller is his guide. And um, he, he couldn't have, they couldn't have saved everyone else without Miller. So there's, there is, um, you know, I think there's a spiritual aspect to that as well um, within, within the book. I, I mean, I'm not seeing, I'm not necessarily seeing it spiritually, but I think that that is another extension of the theme of the book that going into the unknown, you, you need a guide. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because the whole concept of the ring and this book being very much about spirituality and religion, the ring's a challenge to the idea of God, of the higher power, because obviously something bigger than humanity created the ring, and it's obviously not God. So you've got these religious leaders on board, etc., and yet Miller is created sort of like I wrote down, he's sort of created in God's image to come and speak to Holden, you know, in somebody that he would recognize mm-hmm. and that he would interface with. Uh, in much the same way as the biblical stories are told, in that he couldn't appear as an alien or or, or the uh, the grey kind of thing. It had to be somebody to recognise and somebody could like, that he would trust in order to guide him and show him how to way and for him to trust him enough to say, if I tell you to do this, do it, you know? Right. And it's interesting you say that, that, you know, this this new entity is, you know, like, bigger than humans and you know but there we find out that there's something even bigger than than that that's out there that destroyed you know the the makers of the ring so um very interesting and i did look up the title because i'm starting to get a sense of their you know get a sense of what what they're about here and um so this one i'm not sure pronounce it right but abaddon's gate Abaddon's Gate and Chris, did you look up the the meaning? I did too. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, before I before I started the book, I actually went. I had a fair idea what it possibly could be. I think this one's a lot more um, on the nose than some of the other ones. Uh-huh. Uh, so, like, did you get a hell or an abyss? Yeah. So th- like this that. is pretty much the ring is the gate of hell. You know, potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's is. You know, they cross the threshold and they could be sinking into damnation or something like that yeah but you had you had that discussion in the book as well didn't you mm-hmm. you had the whole was it when when they have the the deceleration bit and she comes out and has a whole discussion about how um you know how it will be in hell and everything else and those kind of points and pieces and then she also discusses how um people would link it to being bigger than god but she thinks that god's bigger than that almost and how how she you have to kind of refocus to kind of bring that to new places and things so yeah they they definitely went in heavy with all of the <laughs> philosophical yeah. discussions and, and all those kind of things with that so there's Robin, a bit that oh go ahead there's just a bit in the book where soledad who worked with uh, melbourne ryan and stanley on the thing she had made the point that the ring actually comes from eros and because of all the people that died in eros does that mean all the souls oh. make up the ring Yes, yes. Yeah. Right, and I had written it down at the time because like, I'm bound to forget that. I completely forgot about it. Again, this really philosophical discussion about is this a living thing, this ring? Because it, mm. it, it obviously is, is all, all the souls that are on the station. Mm. 
thing. Ooh, that's good. That's great. Yeah, good catch. <laughs> and Robin, I was just going to follow up to say you just made me realize too that all of the faith leaders, came, okay, so they came to the the gates of hell then. Oh, and, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's and, right. So and and everybody there. Well, not everybody, but Clarissa definitely had her her moment. Anna had her moment. Um, some of the others, um, Cortez. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. He um, mm -hmm. he failed his test, as I recall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, then again, too. So Carlos, who had spaced the guy in the beginning, he. He redeemed himself then by by saying, well, okay, well, it's starting to make a little more sense now. Yeah, I catch that. So going back to kind of, I guess, the fact that the ring is made of Eros, what did you guys think to, because we've come from not knowing very much about the proton molecule and assuming a lot of things around it and us turning it into a weapon, to finding out that actually it's meant to be this whole other thing uh, for yeah, making a gate and linking up to all these other areas and things. What did you kind of think about that? Because I really enjoyed the fact that we got that much more information because I was really struggling in the other books about why on earth this had been sent. Although it was discussed it was a weapon and everything else, it didn't really make a lot of sense in my brain. So I kind of, at least I know why it had a purpose. I was happier that I understood why it had been sent if you knew me previously. But I don't know if you guys preferred it before or if you liked that or it didn't make any sense to you i i thought i'd seen the tv series and actually this this series the tv series i wanted to read the book again because i wanted to go back over this because this bit i didn't totally get the first time i watched the tv series about actually the role of the proton molecule and actually you know yeah. what actually was the threat of the gate and I, I got it much better the second time there's no doubt about it but the fact that they were creating its its purpose was not to attack and destroy but to open up a gateway to somewhere else for somebody to come and invade potentially you know and, and take over um so and that being its only real purpose yeah. is as a building block essentially was uh was really enlightening yeah I think in the TV series, I again, I think I completely. It was just suddenly there was a gate. There wasn't. There, they didn't. Yeah. I don't think they linked it as well as they did in, in the book by it actually right. just building it. Um, so yeah, I think I had a little bit of confusion about that until I reread. I reread this one recently. Yeah, because the the bit where Holden has the visions within the sphere mm. is just flashes in in the TV series. Mm. There is no explanation, and you're sort of supposed to fill it in. Whereas here, we obviously get what it means, and that you know Holden explains it afterwards. To Miller and the other people saying, "This is what I seen," mm -hmm. uh, and so you get a better sense of, of what he what he did see then. Whereas TV series, it's very much left open ended. Yeah, I love the TV series. The, the one thing I was disappointed with that they're looking now that I know more about the proto molecule is mm -hmm. I think as big as the proto molecule was in the series, I feel like it's it was under underserved in the series as, as a whole. I think there's so much more that I've learned about the proto molecule the proto molecule in the books. That I just didn't get, and the rings too. I didn't really. I got the the nuts and bolts, but I didn't. Really, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't as impactful as it it is in the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you so, know, in the in the show, I focus more. I think I was more engaged with the characters versus what was happening with the protomolecule and the 
those broader themes. And so um, reading has kind of brought a new uh, perspective um, to me. And I, I still think um, even though they've figured out how to work with the slow zone or, you know, this ring, um, I still think there's the potential for it to be, you know, the gates of hell because nothing will never ever, nothing will ever be the same now, you know, mm -hmm. people will be, you know, positioning themselves on how are we going to engage with this, you know, and um, so either way, society will change. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> I believe there is. <laughs> is there one ring to rule them all? Yeah, could be. Yeah. It, it, it reminded me the, the conclusion of it of, and I don't expect anybody to have seen it, but Babylon 5, it's very thematically similar to the idea in Babylon 5, uh, the shadows and all of that kind of stuff that happened in there. So if anybody likes this kind of theme, there's a whole five, well, yeah. I'd say five series of Babylon 4, but only watch the first four. Um, and they're doing a remake of it as well. <laughs> which is quite good but uh, yeah it's very thematically similar to that that kind of existential threat of, of ancient civilizations and that kind of stuff yeah i have a question do you do you think there's a horror element to this in terms of like this existential threat um kind of an undercurrent of i don't know something sort of, yeah yeah it's, it's like something under the bed Layla. you know what i mean you, you, every time you look there's nothing there <laughs> and yet somebody keeps on telling you there might be something there though you know and, and if, it, if there's something there we're in big trouble you know you're not going to sleep for a long long time yeah I, I, yeah i would agree to that for sure because before it was kind of like you didn't know what the protocol was and how it was going to affect you and now you're not sure if like something terribly vast and huge is going to destroy the whole solar system and it's that kind of like is it isn't it do we explore do we not kind of thing so yeah an undercurrent maybe i don't know about horror mm -hmm. hmm. but um i guess that's quite a general like wide term so yes i think maybe sure leviathan weeks definitely had people turn to sludge and, and zombies so i mean there definitely wasn't a horror element <laughs> yeah. there for sure yeah <laughs> that's true that's true i think that's what i'm getting at because miller you know Miller is not really Miller. And um, I think, uh, wasn't it within when Holden was in the center of the ring, they were essentially turning the Marines that got killed into paste. Oh, yeah. mm. you know, and I, I just feel like there's potential for more, you know, um, gore, I guess, and um, fearsome things that could happen as molecules are rearranged, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree as well, because they also, um, touching on that, I guess, the descriptions of Miller when, like, he was talking to Holden, and you had that kind of whole description about 
Miller had black lips and he was essentially like a almost corpse-esque mm-hmm. and then got less so so that was that that was really unsettling like because you didn't again it was that whole unknown what on earth is happening here where does it link in and and everything else so yeah I guess that also links into that kind of just those little themes they put in there to make you kind of on edge and it's I guess I'm saying it could be more. I don't think that that wasn't really emphasized in the adaptation in the show. But when you actually read it and you consider, you know, what horrific things have been done, what happened to Julie, what happened to the whole, you know, uh, what was it, Eros? Um, And, you know, I think there's some great potential there for it to be much more intense. when she put Ren in a toolbox, you mean? <laughs> I was like, oh, lovely. He already snapped them apart, didn't even cut them up. He just snapped them in bits so they'd fit in. Oh. Right. Them in a toolbox. That was lovely. Her yeah. friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was not good. Uh, Tammy says, uh, Ty Frank explained oh. every, that every book has a different overall style. This one was a haunted house. About the Louis they makes was a de- detective noir. The next one was kind of a western. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'd heard about the different styles. I think this the second one was meant to be more of a spy novel, wasn't it? Because I, I know they're trying to be a little bit more distinctive. But I didn't know what what this one was meant to be. So I'll look out for the western themes in the next one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can I can see that from from the TV show, but back in the horror point, I had made this note for all the dangers of space, the ring, the proto molecule, everything there. The real threat still came from other men. Mm. You know, it was that man's inhumanity? The man was really what was going to end the world here. It wasn't actually mm-hmm. any of those external factors. Um, so the most dangerous thing is just other people. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 The you know Julie going out and and uh, and kind of you know kind of pulling the strings that that's when it felt more of a horror because it wasn't just Miller and Holden. It was more there was more to it than just that connection. There was they can go out and do other things too and and uh, plot against certain people. I mm-hmm. thought that was really neat that it was Julie, not uh, her sister, mm-hmm. or what used to be Julie, I guess. Yeah. There's Julie what? who used to be Julie and Miller who used to be Miller and yeah, there's quite a lot. Quite, again, that reborn thing. Even Melba becoming Clarissa in the book, you know, mm-hmm. she starts off as right. Melba and gets reborn as Clarissa through the book. Did you guys think there was enough discussion about the station in the ring? I thought that was really underdone. There wasn't much description about it, or only had one little quick trip through some furry walls and then that was that was it i was, I was no really other... disappointed it wasn't the climax of the book mm. you know right. when we got it was about halfway through we got there and i went this is too early surely <laughs> yeah, it's kind of maybe that's why i didn't like it i mean the battles at the end went on for like a good third of the book it was too long it was mm-hmm. too protracted it was just that's one of the reasons i thought it was such a mess it wasn't like there was the mistakes it was just like it just kept going and going and going and going and lots of different factions and one was in engineering and one was was broadcasting and then the, the bridge and you know it was all very discombobulated i think the whole thing but yes the, the sphere in the center was the most interesting thing in the entire book and 
the bits that we got were cool, but it could have been so much more. Yeah, I just think it was it was un, underplayed. You're right; they did very much focus much more on what's happening on the ships rather yeah. than. And I was like, "This is a cool space station." <laughs> Good. I did like I did like the end. I did like the coup though at the end. I thought that was although obvious because they put they made it blatantly obvious throughout when it was coming up. But I did I did like it. I thought that was um, a nice double flip or whatever. That was quite a fun thing. It it was good, but Iceford is such a weaselly nothing character in the book. Like they they very purposely in the TV show rewrote him as somebody of strength that people would follow, you know, given the right circumstances. And I think it, it was very hard to believe that Iceford could turn nearly a whole crew and bring them with them at the end. A bit mm-hmm. like when they were in the sphere, I found it very hard that the Marines were able to follow Holden and Miller so easily. And given all the secret corridors and the layout of the sphere that was set up for Holden to come in, it was like one of those classic things of like somebody chasing them through, like in the Goonies, even. You know, yeah. they, they knock they knock down all the, all the bridges. They, they they you know everything falls apart, and yet every time they turn around, they're right there. How did they get there? <laughs> I think they did say that like that they did try and push back on that by saying that he was a respected captain yeah. before so i think they did try and put a little bit in about how he would be followed he has had yeah. a good service history but you're right they didn't i think they had to put that in because he was written not very well as the character so it was unbelievable his exo didn't really the exo was the one pa was the one with the the the, the part whatever happened pa she lived she definitely lived because they had a whole discussion at the end didn't they oh did they Mm. There was it was a bit a bit for them where they went. We don't even know if Pa's alive. That's about the last thing that I that I remember them discussing. Um, but yeah, the ex old Pa didn't really believe in him. Obviously, Booth thought he should have been in charge of of the whole operation to start off with. And so, if they're the next two most prominent members, and you've got I, I don't know, Iceford, Iceford Iceford was a weasel though in the end. I suppose that they, he had to kind of be the fall guy and easily disposable or otherwise you know so you didn't kind of care what happened to him and you know they needed that character to juxtapose against you know the heroic characters but i also feel like in their um in this whole story they they're kind of saying that you know people people are good enough in the stable times but when you get you really get down to it and you really need somebody to be a leader. Not everybody's a leader. Some people are good managers, you know, a good manager of a ship is not necessarily a leader, you know? And so I think they, I like that they show that. Um, I do feel like the end of the book, as we've been saying, there's, there are incomplete parts. There are. So I, I agree, and I think also there was there was quite I think the whole discussion with um, Bull and and who was in charge of the house showed that a lot of it was m- more political and figureheading than yeah. them actually meant to be in a place of power during a time of crisis. Like they were just meant yeah. to be outside the ring, showing up basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there was a, a a thing about the fact that it was all just for show rather than actually um, mm-hmm. for doing anything. Yeah, that's a good point. So the uh, the discussion that Miller has with Holden, I thought was really great. I think uh, you know, whenever Miller is on the pages, it's 
going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I did like that. I think they mentioned whenever for humans, whenever there's a door that's closed, we want to open it. Mm -hmm. We want to know what's on the other side of it. I think that's it was true. I mean, we can't help ourselves. Curiosity. Yeah. yeah. And obviously leads on to where the show can go next because we basically have all these these doors to go through. Mm -hmm. Could could lead anywhere. <laughs> and this yeah. the ring is the greatest door, so mm -hmm. you know. It's one ring to rule them all, as has been said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> yeah. It is indeed. Yeah. yeah. I do I do feel like some of this may be setting up as, as someone mentioned before, I think some of this may even be foreshadowing for things that come later that we just don't realize yet in a more subtle way, you know, that maybe they didn't even put into the show, uh, but may, you know, take on more significance, you know, a few books from now. So it's the nice part about reading a multi part story, because it's the more sort of self contained telling story. But everyone just adds like another couple of couple of not even one layer, but a couple of layers on top of things that, that, that are happening within the world, you know, the interconnected politics, then you've got the things that are outside their control, the unknown. Uh and like I don't know how everybody else feels. I do think one of the key problems with this was is we only had one common character with any of the previous books. Like we only had Holden as far as perspective went, you know, to go through. And I think that's one of the reasons that the first half of the book is mostly about Bull and Melba. Like Holden's in it very, very infrequently at the start, and we don't have any connection with those characters to start off with, uh, really, in any any ways. And you're like, but mm, one's yeah. a bad guy; it makes it kind of tough to read. No, I, I fully agree with that. I think it took me a while to again, maybe why it felt again slow, so slow, is because there's yeah. a lot of introductions to the characters, setting up, getting to a point where you understand what their motivations are and why they're here. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of like, and the and the the Rosinante story about how they get to the was a bit convoluted, and it was kind of like it wasn't the most interesting part of the book at that time. So you're right, I think it was. I don't know if it'd be better with more of the characters you know, or whether maybe they put like a character that was a side character before in. It would have moved mm. it along a bit better, and you would have connected with it more. Um, but I don't know. I don't actually know if you see any of these different characters again i suppose i assume we see clarissa or melba again because you do in the tv show mm. um that's an mm -hmm. assumption i don't i don't know if you will and i'm not sure about anna at all i'm not sure if she's just in it for this one book or, or you see her further further as well so or her friend the um tilly 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 i liked tilly she was great that's because again she's one who knows who she is like that's mm. she is her she's not anything but that so I thought she was a uh, she was great and I think she obviously I think it was to soften not soften Anna but to bring some not make her so uh not not likable but she, you know she's evangelical she's very what she is right. so I guess that she was brought in to add a little bit more not humanity but humor and soul into it a little bit and nice that they could be friends you know they're, they are very much polar opposites tilly and uh and anna you know yeah. yet there's still a connection between them you know yeah. anna appreciates her her nature it's, oh the uh, buying at the end though i thought was a bit much 
Yeah. Uh, I was like, really? <laughs> like, well, how, how do you resolve this problem about the Mars wanting the Rocinante? You just bought it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that was weak. <laughs> I mean, it's great that it's solved and it's actually beginning. It was a weak part of the book to begin with at the start because they've been running about it, running around the galaxy for years, it seems like, and now all of a sudden it's a problem. Uh, <laughs> but. I suppose it is, a, it is a decent point to kind of compare the TV series, what they did with the adaptation compared to it. So Alice Keiter was actually in it before the story because she helped Avastarala win election in the previous mm. part of the book. Boo's not in the TV series at all. No, for, at this part, anyway, you know, he does appear in the TV series, but he's, he's Fred Johnson's right-hand man for most of the time. Uh, they use a different character, which I don't want to say who it is, but who takes on the roller boom is in the mech suit, etc. at the end. Um, and Bobby is on the Mars ship mm-hmm. in the TV series. So to g- give that connective tissue from people that you know beforehand being in, so rather than an unnamed Mars ship who goes to get Holden, Bobby's part of that force that goes to collect uh, oh. Holden off the ring, etc. So they kind of they kind of make it work a bit more like that but also all the things that you're suggesting they could have done i think they went back and looked at it and went yeah i think we're gonna have to <laughs> yeah because i think they even mentioned it in the book didn't they they're like oh i wish bobby was here or yes, that's I wish right. bobby was one of them and obviously yeah that would be like but then would it have been too too much if she had been would you have just been like well that's far too easy the fact that she was there so, and yeah, in, in the TV series, it was a bit ridiculous. Are there only like 10 Martian people in the world? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I did have that thought about Tilly and Clarissa because, of all places, two of these people that know each other show up, but Tilly knows yeah. Claire, you know. So that was a that was a convenient, you know, technique as well to help help get some information into the story. But um but it's fun too. I mean, that's that's what I kind of like, you know, in this story, it's like anybody can show up. You've got everybody, you know, coming together. Um, so, um, but who, who would imagine that out there at the end of the universe or the galaxy, these two people who know each other would randomly, you know, appear. Yeah. But there's, there's a little discussion of that actually in the TV series because they go, where, where fate, destiny, and coincidence align, you know, none of those things are fate, destiny, and coincidence. There's something along the lines that they say it was just meant to be. It was designed to be that way, that those people were in the same place at the same time. It's the nature of the world that in order for these events to happen, those people would be in the same place, etc. And that kind of goes along with the, the influence of God and faith and all of those things that are, that are in there as well. You know what, we uh, recently I had a conversation about that uh, in regard to Lord of the Rings and the Rings of Power, how, you know, uh, Galadriel jumps into the water and just happens to meet all these people out there in the middle. I don't know if you all have seen it, but, but, you know, um, just uh, it was good synchronicity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And so maybe Hand of Fate guiding, guiding the characters. Yeah, yeah, but it did. It did give a nice resolution to the fact that when they were identifying who the bomber was, they all thought it was Julie, and it nearly took the story down a whole other direction of the proto molecule and manipulating everything else. And and it's funny how everybody else was happy to believe, oh, Julie doing it is the proto molecule influence on what's going to happen. Yet when Holden is saying he's picking the Miller, they're like, well, he's off his head. 
that can't yeah. possibly even though they're kind of the same <laughs> thing you know because it was a manifestation of julian they knew what julie was but it was one person holding they were like no that's that's ridiculous he's he's lost his mind yeah. <laughs> uh so they also got attached to the avasarella and bobby draper when their absence in this book was kind of hard for me yeah i did miss them in this one yeah, and I really, I really hope. I, I again, assumption from the team show that they definitely do come back, but you, you never know when that's going to be. So it'll be interesting to see who pops up in the next book. Actually, so I miss Stavrosarella's foul mouth a lot in this book. She's such a good character. She's such a good character. Reads so well. It's such yeah. effective yeah. writing. Dialogue, yeah. Yeah. yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, I wonder if uh, watching the TV show was a was a good decision or a bad decision because you know you, you kind of have expectations now when you read it so mm -hmm. just, it, but it, it is interesting to see how they how the adaptation changed the story mm. with the different directions they went with it for the uh, adaptation uh robin this was a, a reread for you right because you've read the yep. first four books or the first five i think i can't i was thinking that i'm not sure i think it may have just been four looking back at it now and how much thing i think i didn't go up to book four so yeah so this one was a reread for Shorzy's, but we'll see. So next one, I should remember. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's a long time ago. Yeah, with, with the ship, I thought it was, uh, you know, I thought it was a little silly with Anna buying the ship and at the end, it, but you kind of forgive it for things, like, for goofy things like that. You kind of go to pass because it's just that kind of story. and. At first, it was a little annoying that these things happened really conveniently for mm -hmm. just to move the story along. But at the end, it's just like, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> like, let's, you know, I, I'll accept it. You know, let's let's just see what happens next, kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, let's. I like those conversations I have with my wife when we're watching something, and she goes, "Can you believe he did that to her?" And I went, "In a t now in a fictional TV show, sure, <laughs> <laughs> anything's possible." <laughs> I think it, yeah, and I think as much as, as much as there are deep themes and deep questions as well, I would say the, the books aren't that deep, <laughs> sort of thing. Like there, there are themes and things around it, but they are kind of like, you know, action novels as such. And you kind of, I would, I'm pretty forgiving when it comes to this, as long as it's entertaining in the book. I don't, I'm quite forgiving to the to plot holes or or jumps um, about the place. Oddly, okay. I was going to say they're quite pulpy. The books, mm. I, I I find for like supposedly a big space opera or serious space opera, they're they're really very pulpy. And you know, one is a detective know where to set it up, so it sort of sets up that world anyway. But mm. you know, I was, yeah, I was going to say one of my uh, one of my vibes was just the whole um, uh, Clarissa's. Why why would you get? You've got all the money in the world. Why would you get? that as your secret power like she could have got a very cool weapon that would be she could have got she could have got anything but she effectively got something that has such a bad drop off afterwards that it's 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 ineffective most of the times mm -hmm. and that was probably my my kind of like ugh, the one i had the most issue with <laughs> i think i was like you could have you could have had anything and i know there's some there's you can only have what's in the realms of, of the world but mm -hmm. I, I never really enjoyed um her glands superpower that she en ends up with i just thought it was essentially useless yeah i agree i wondered that myself 
if she had all everything at her fingertips um, and chose that. Mm. So. I, I didn't really buy her redemptive arc either. I mean, she went from being an absolute psychopathic killer to being stunned with a taser to going, do you know what? Jim's holding's not so bad. <laughs> Actually, I'm not even person now. They always seem nice. I know it nearly choked her to death, and now she's got really bad injuries every time I see her. And I did smash that by guy in a toolbox and all the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was saying. I, I almost felt like we, we were going to see them forgive her at the end, just because it just seemed so... Uh, there's just something off about it. Yeah. Well, well, even the fact that they're going to bring her back to Luna, but we're not going to be alone. We're going to keep you in the ship for a while, just for because you, you're all right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I kind of thought they were going with the kind of with the religious themes of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. They forgave her and brought her into the fold, and but it seemed a little quick. I don't know. It seemed yeah. a little. There wasn't I, enough development. I even struggled. I even struggled with. Anna's accept, like accepting it and I know that she is meant to be like the, the whole religion forgiveness blah, blah, blah. I just she was so quick to forgive and be like actually there's a lot more going on here but I'm like when you've seen I mean she blew up a whole ship right you know it wasn't it wasn't a small thing that she's she's done it wasn't she planned to do something yeah. she did it it was premeditated it wasn't uh, an impulsive thing it was yeah yeah, and then they were worried about how she's going to, um, if she's going to be killed or if she's going to, and I was just like, I just don't know if that would uh, ever come into discussion after that. But. Interestingly, in the TV show, Anna's character, that's the woman which she does drop when she sees Clarissa in the cell, is that she actually is conflicted about whether she should die straight away or otherwise, which is a lot more believable. It's just, she talks herself around in it to say, mm -hmm. like, no, there's got to be something better, but she's struggling with it, she's struggling with her faith. Uh, where you don't see that her struggling with her faith at any stage whatsoever, mm -hmm. she's very very clear, but but seems to have it all figured out. Hmm. And she vouches for her too pretty quickly. Yes, and she yeah. you know, she goes to bat. You know, she. Uh, I thought that was it would have been more interesting if there was a little bit more time for that to to develop and more time for them together. I think that would have been more impactful. But well, yeah. mistakes. It's because they spent half the book getting there, so they actually ran out or elsewhere. <laughs> what what this book did not need was another hundred pages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to Chris's point, I think the battle at the end. I think sometimes, I think authors or, or writers try to make battles last longer, to make it seem. Um, more uh, significant, but I think mm -hmm. the shorter battles for me anyway, tend to be more memorable and significant when yeah. it's not so drawn out. I think that's, yeah. but I think the last, I mean, the battle lasts for a long time and it was just like, okay, when is this going to end? <laughs> just, you know, uh, so I, yeah, I'm not sure how you, how you all thought about it. I thought, you know, well, first I, I did have a little confusion about which ship they were on. <laughs> um, but then also, <laughs> And I love this, but, you know, for our favorite crew to, like, get out of sick bay, I mean, they see all these people running around. Oh, I think we'll get out of sick bay and just go, go, go join the fight, you know. Um, 
I mean, that's what we want them to do, but it, it was kind of funny. It is kind of funny to think about too. So. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hard. It was hard to, to watch them go from, yeah, Naomi's got a broken arm. She's carrying in a sling. Amos can't really walk. Alex is struggling to walk. Holden's not doing so good. Bill is paralyzed because his spine's broken. But they're going to take on the world, all of them, and yeah. it's kind of the gloss over it for chapters upon chapters that they're, they're struggling. Oh, I don't know. I think, I think I don't know. I did, I kind of, as I said, I kind of liked the idea yeah. of the queue and the whole the, the whole splitting it. But you're right. I think there was a lot of it that it was too lengthy, and then it was suddenly like, oh, they're doing well. Oh no, no, they're not doing well. Oh, they're doing this. Oh no, no, they're not doing that. And also, I found I actually found some of it hard to understand, like when they shut off the. The, I had to go back and reread it because I was like, I don't actually understand what just happened there. So I had to go back and like go, okay, okay, they've done that. And that's what that means. And when they were going through the lifts, it got very confusing about mm-hmm. how she killed them. I was like, didn't, where's that lift come from? So mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, that was a bit, um, a bit convoluted at the end, definitely for the tail end of the fight. The initial one where they kind of go into engineering fine and yeah. dandy, but then being chased by the four, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah just, I, I, I couldn't work out the geography sometimes where like you gotta get out of Naomi well where are they coming from there's only one door in and out so where are they going yeah. where are they hiding where, if she's gonna get out and they're coming through the door sure she'll have to run past them I, don't <laughs> <know>. it was, <laughs> yeah. I was like yeah but I yeah. think it did I, I, I read a couple of reviews where people again hadn't I got a bit confused at the end about what happened in the in the main room when the lights went out and who who mm-hmm. who got rid of who and who got tasered. So I think a lot of people struggled with that, and um, with, there's just too much um, going on in short sentences. Uh, so I think you did need to read it carefully to be able to keep up. Yeah. Yeah, and Robin, to your point earlier, I think putting more attention on the station because they they reference the station so much and it's such a big part of the story that you don't really know much about it. Mm-hmm. I think that could have been better spent. Uh, you know, tell us about that. But yeah. does anybody buy the fact that the station would have just went? They dropped all the reactors out. They're no longer a threat, even though everything up to that point said, and that they would just keep the doors open. That that's it sorted now. You're all right. You passed your check. You're good. You just I don't know. Again, it felt a bit easy rather than it's alien technology. Who are we tonight? Well, very good, <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> I, I guess the yeah. fact that the 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 Miller was there to kind of try and poke it and to guide it mm. made it somewhat somewhat believable to me, um, and 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 resolvable, I guess, because he was there to press the correct buttons and, and get it sorted. But, uh, Brandy says in the show it takes Naomi a lot longer to forgive Clarissa, but in the book she's cracking jokes with her about being happy for another woman on board. It wasn't as believable. I agree. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I kept waiting for them to just hire her <laughs> onto the Rossinanti. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I didn't want to be feeling that at that point. Yeah, it was it was it was far too soon, far too soon to be all cozy and her to feel all like, oh, it's it's great, I've got friends again. It was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. The the bull portion, especially, I kept reading his his parts and it's like, isn't he on like on his deathbed? Like, how is he doing all this stuff? Like, I had to go back and read it and okay, yeah, he is really injured. How is he doing all this stuff? And he was like. 
he's pretty effective for being someone about to die. <laughs> not just uh, you, you can decide not to go into a medically induced coma, but you know you'll you'll you'll, you'll kill yourself, and yet they keep seem, seem to do more and more ridiculous things, just because he's going to max it. <laughs> yeah, once he kept denying treatment, you kind of knew. Okay, he's not going to make yeah. it. Yeah. He's a, yeah. yeah. I thought. Retro, no. I did think that was their way too of trying to say, you know, he. I mean, he's injured, but he still has something to contribute, you know. And this, this is something that people do in real life live with. That you might be injured, but you still still have a lot to contribute to the world. Um, but yeah, the but being in the middle of you know what they were in, it it did stretch the boundaries sometimes and. And didn't they finagle something where he could maneuver, where he could move? Didn't they give him some kind of electronic um, suit? Oh, the suit. I think you mm -hmm. meant Yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, they seem to be able to leap over things and skulk down corridors. If he just kept to the right uh, of the corridor and stuff, I was like, but it's a big hulking suit. Like, yeah. Or at least a bottom part for his legs. I don't know. He was a Superman, you know. That's really what it was. They put him in, put him in a max suit, and it became Superman. Even though his spine was broken, he had lungs full of, you know, he'd get pneumonia, but he didn't right. get tired. And <laughs> that's what I mean. That was just like the sick base situation. I mean, it, it did all get kind of funny, funny and absurd toward the end. Yeah, uh, but I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I was the same. Like I've rather done this book so much for an hour and a bit, and I and I, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think we're all on the same. You just kind of forgive certain things just yeah. because it's the kind of story. Yeah. When you're involved with characters, you can't. I kind of come to the point where it's like I like these characters and like this world enough that maybe if they just made cups of tea and coffee and had toast for mm -hmm. five or six chapters, I'd be okay with it. You know, just be. <laughs> With them and enjoy them, right? Okay. This is a little slow in this section, but that coffee sounds great. <laughs> a new blend, yeah. <laughs> and Holden loves his coffee, so he does. Yeah. And they did have a whole discussion about coffee, didn't they? We were talking to the uh, the interview, in fact. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, what do, what do you all think about that? About those sections when they kind of talk about really, you, you know, it's not really too relevant to the story. Do you appreciate those sections, or how do you how do you how do you all feel about that? I I do like knowing details about what characters, um, you know, what the characters enjoy, what they don't like. Um, I think they can be woven into a bigger story at times. You know, um, but I do think it gives us um, it it helps us uh, know the character. So I do appreciate that. I think it can go on for too long. I think uh, this book does it pretty well. Mm -hmm. so. No, I'm, I'm the same. I love it. I think it's that because it gives you just small interactions in, in, in of the characters in their world or between the characters, give you so much information about that world and about what's usual and what, what people do in that. And that, that's what that's what I'm all about. And I think especially if it's, yeah, it's not overdone, you don't want chapters and chapters, but when it, maybe it's an introduction to a section or an introduction or an exit to a, a bit, 
um, I think it helps you visualize stuff as well. So mm. it shows you kind of what it looks like to be there as well. So I'm, I'm all about those bits and pieces. Yeah, and while I often and have done rather on the kind of Naomi holding relationship, I think they're very believable as a family, you know, unit, all of them, you know, because of those interactions and the way that they just can just talk about coffee or even the fact that they cook each other and they take it in turns to make something special, you know, all of that kind of stuff so really, cute. really builds into that. Yeah, it does. And even mm -hmm. when somebody from the outside comes with them, they're involved and you get the sense that it is a family ship, even though it's a big ship for poor people. So like, I, like both of you say, I really enjoy those sections. Those are the bits that kind of can break up some of the other, the other things that are happening in the world at the time. Yeah, I think action's good. I love action. I love all the running mm -hmm. out, but it's just those those like rest breaks of just are, are kind of needed, I think, as well. Yeah. Uh, Brandy said, I like those kind of conversations. I can identify with the coffee thing as a fellow addict. <laughs> Me too. I found myself worrying about Holden and his coffee. So <laughs> I relate <laughs> to what Brandy's saying. Is he getting coffee while he's in the middle of this? I, I would like to see. <laughs> I was, I was, I'm just going to say, I was, I had kind of like an exploration somewhere in the book of the effects of coffee and caffeine levels and all that kind of stuff in ZOG environments. You know, it, does that really mm. uh, make a difference? <laughs> you know, just can you take an espresso, for instance, or is espresso banned in <laughs> space? <laughs> That's a great point. I like it. Is it Amos that makes the garlic noodles or some kind of garlic sauce with noodles? I can't. Yes. I think it is. I think um, it was Amos. Yeah. Have to try that. <laughs> you have like an appendix with the recipes <laughs> in the back. <laughs> Mind you, the amount of books or series that do have a have recipe book afterwards. Like right. Game of Thrones is a classic one, isn't it? Mm. Right. Food of Game of Thrones in a, in a cookbook because it's described right. so well. So yeah. It's not unusual. <laughs> it's a great idea for a YouTube video as well. The expanses garlic and uh, mushroom yeah. noodles. <laughs> <laughs> Cook along. Cook along, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. So it sounds like we all we're all pretty positive on this one. What what does everyone think? For all the criticisms, I really enjoyed the thematic stuff from the book. And, it, you know, I, I wrote down a lot more than I usually do about books as I'm going through. With it being a tabber, I do kind of take pictures and I do kind of take little bits out so I don't forget them. And it's the thematic stuff that I kind of go, yeah, okay, that, that that's cool. That's really interesting how they tried to like that or tried to make something out of that. So, yeah, still well on board. Enjoying it a lot. I'm definitely enjoying it. And something I've noticed, because I'm listening on Audible, I have it on Kindle and Audible. So sometimes I, I read, but mostly I'd listen. And there is kind of a rhythm um, to the way the, the person reads it. And so I noticed that the way it's written, like they'll introduce a character and then they'll say a little bit of background about the character, such as, you know, last Tuesday, this, you know, this person did this and, and now they're thinking about this. And so there's kind of a, a rhythm that has developed for me as a listener. And, uh, and I really like, you know, I really liked it. And maybe that's why, um, you know, there were some long, longer parts in this book, but um, I think listening helped me get through those two. And 
So overall, it, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, go ahead. Is it a good narrator? Is it a good like a, a good narrator for the audiobook? Yes, I think so. Okay. And the Belter dialect, they they read very well, which is interesting. Awesome, awesome. I'll have to check that out because I'm, I'm always very picky on my audiobooks of the narrators. Just <laughs> good. Yeah, I might pick up one. Um, I am loving it still. I think it's great. I said before, I think this is the book that I have most wanted to <clears throat> underline things or, or go back and reread things. It was just fun. It was just fun. The questions. Um, I'm not particularly religious, but I, found, I did find all the, the religious stuff quite interesting and the questions they were asking and the whys of what, what people were there for um, was really fascinating to me. Um, and I'm just getting really excited to get to a point where I'm going to pick up the new books. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm all still in. <laughs> nice. Uh, says, I agree with Layla. I'm also listening, and it is quite good. Mm -hmm. The the narrator, I forget who did The Dark Tower, the first few books, but his voice reminded me a lot of that narrator. I forget his name. I think he's pretty well known, but yeah, the narrator did a good job. Yeah. Jefferson Mays is, is the guy that does the Expanse books, whether oh, okay. it's the same person or not. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to go, you know, you can listen to the sample. I'll be like, do I want to but it's, it's interesting, especially for a long-run series. Like I've, I've I've done most of the Dresden Files audiobooks, and for the first two or three books, I hated the narration. I hated James Martin's narration. And then at a certain point, you're like, I don't even want to read the paper copies anymore. I think I'd be missing so much from not having this narration and having this character, and you know, and just kind of flip very quickly. I had the the opposite issue with the Bosch series. I was into audiobook, and I absolutely adored the narrator. And then at book five. They put some new person in, and I hate it. <laughs> I cannot, cannot stand the new narrator. So it's really upsetting when they switch narrators through oh, series. <laughs> but but, but now Tyler Swellover's going back and doing a lot of them as well. So. Oh, he's great. Yeah, so I'm very yes, pleased to see so him Nice, cool. So we're all still on board for book four. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing. Very much so. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, Robin, where can people find you if they want to find you and your channel? Where can they connect with you? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, on YouTube, I have Bookends and Biscuits, and uh, on Twitter as well, the same Twitter handle as well. Awesome. And Layla? Uh, right now, Twitter, um, at Elgoshi at, on Twitter. Um, and uh, hopefully have more soon. <laughs> yeah, we're, so, we're still waiting for, waiting for that announcement. I so. know. <laughs> so much is going on. So. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Chris? Yeah, you can get me on YouTube at Chris Moen, M-O-H-A-N, just my name, and on Twitter at 7 o'clock shadow. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, everyone, for all of you. For We're all over the world. That's what makes us so special is we're all over the world, and we meet up to talk about this series. It makes it uh, so much fun. So, And thanks, everyone, in the comment section and the, the chat for hanging out with us and talking about this book. So really appreciate it. Cool. thanks everyone we'll see you uh next we don't have a date yet but we'll announce it soon on the next book i'm sure we'll talk about it right after this stream as we normally do but we'll uh we'll be back next month sometime to talk uh book four so hope to see you back then <laughs>